Studios of WORQ in Wisconsin. This is the Stand Up for the Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up for the Truth. Andy Crash Connell at the host mic, and surprise, surprise, we kind uh, of let you know on our Facebook page at Stand Up WI on Facebook that. Normally on Mondays, especially recently, we've been doing repeats, but today is a fresh new podcast, and it's with one of your favorite guests as well. Monday, February 12, 2024 on the calendar, and so uh, Mary will be in tomorrow with her with her fresh podcast and a repeat on Wednesday. Scripture of this bot- podcast today, First Peter 3.15, hopefully you know this one. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That's the New King James Version, First Peter 3.15. And uh, live with us in Colorado, Dr. J.B. Hickson. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Crash. Great to be with you. I'm going to uh, share your biography, but first I'm going to ask you to open up this podcast in prayer, sir. You bet. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this new day, the beginning to a new week. Lord, I pray that as we were built up in the faith yesterday at our churches, that you would just help us to now live out our faith uh, by being good examples to others, by uh, sharing the gospel as we have opportunity, and as always, by looking up and being watchful. Lord, I pray you just be with our podcast today, be with Crash, uh, clear our thoughts and minds, and may everything that we say and do uh, give honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, J.B. Hickson, uh, some of our longtime listeners are familiar with him, but if you've never heard of him, he's a nationally known author, speaker, radio host with more than 30 years of ministry experience in the pastoral and academic arenas, recognizing for uh, recognized rather for his expertise in systematic theology. Uh, Dr. Hickson has a passion for communicating important theological truths from God's Word in a clear and easy to understand way and for helping others learn how to study the Bible effectively for themselves. Author includes uh, 11 uh, books, and you've heard uh, us before talking about his latest, Spirit of the Antichrist, The Gathering Cloud of Deception, Volume 1, Spirit of the Antichrist, The Gathering Cloud of Deception, Volume uh, 2, and Spirit of the False Prophet, his latest, Rise of the Global Technocracy. And uh, great to have you along with us for a oh, live podcast. Po- my pleasure. I can't wait to, to dive in. And I think this might be the first time I've ever uh, done a podcast with you flying solo. You've been uh, kind of teaming up with Mary when I've been on. but uh, Yeah, normally I'm, I'm just pushing the buttons for her, you know. So she <laughs> well, she told me she, she told me you push her buttons. I know that. I do. But, uh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> but, uh, no, this will be great. All right. Well, out the gate here, uh, I, I, I wanted to just go ahead and, and talk about what uh, happened yesterday. Uh, in Houston, the headline for the AP News is "Woman Killed After She Opened Fire in Joel Osteen Joel Osteen's uh, Church." Uh, a boy was injured, and so was a man. Uh, a man in his fifties was wounded. It was uh, right before the start of their Spanish service around two p.m. Uh, Houston time. They don't have, <coughs> pardon me, they don't have a motive yet. They're not mentioning uh, the. Uh, killer's name as well but uh, some off-duty cops handled the situation that were in the service and on 
Ford, uh, Texas Governor Abbott issued a statement saying, our hearts are with those impacted by today's tragic shooting in the t- entire Lakewood Church community in Houston. Places of worship are sacred, or so we thought. JB, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this, again, is just another cautionary tale that the closer we get uh, to the Lord's return, the more chaotic things are going to be. It's certainly uh, not uncommon, sadly, that you know, churches become targets. Uh, we don't know the details, obviously, of what was in this woman's right. mind, but uh, this has been repeated far uh, too often. And uh, you and I were talking off air. You know, it's important for churches today of any size to think through uh, that type of security uh, breach, because I really believe, as I talked about in Spirit of the False Prophet, and when I got into the rise of the uh, persecution that we're going to see this more and more as uh, the devil ramps up his attacks on God's people. And um, there are a lot of crazy people out there that hate uh, God and hate what God's word stands for. And so I think churches, again, it's a cautionary tale to, to think through uh, all of the what ifs. Hopefully it'll never happen. But uh, uh, to me, it's just a sign of the times. Yeah. And you do have uh, security at your church as a, we do. We, we are very uh, blessed. Uh, we've got very well-organized, well-structured, well-trained. We do in-house training as well as our team goes to uh, uh, different mm-hmm. seminars uh, to, to receive more in-depth training. Uh, so, uh, you know, we... We have never, well, we have had a couple of minor incidents right. that I was thankful for, but nothing serious or dangerous. Um, but, uh, you know, because of my uh, presence out there on the Internet and at conferences and, and programs like Stand Up, um, you know, people come by that on any given Sunday, we'll have a, quite a, a quite a few visitors that are just coming by to kick the tires. And because we have so many people that we don't know week to week, we just feel like it's wise to be prepared. So our security team sits strategically throughout the auditorium with different lines of sight. We always have someone in the lobby at all times. We lock the doors 20 minutes into the service so that if someone were to come in uh, with a bad intentions, they're going to have to knock and the, the security person in the lobby is going to be the one that lets them in and can discern the situation. So yeah, it's, I'm really proud of our guys. Um, uh, you know, we have some protocols in place, uh, things that we've gone over even in a service with the body that if you hear this, you know, Good. phrase or if Good. you hear this, yeah. you know, be, be, this is what it means. Uh, and we've been pretty vocal about uh, our thoughts about uh, Joel Osteen and, uh, and his mega church in Houston. But this is very sad and it is demonic. Yes, it's yeah. demonic. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, obviously, the doctrine of the churches is irrelevant when it comes to people, you know, targeting Correct. innocent lives and you know doing acts of violence. But uh, uh, you know, it's um, the larger churches, I think, are more susceptible um, be- because they've got more entrances and exits, and obviously, large number of people. So, the law of large numbers, you're going to have statistically more uh, people that are out to do harm. But nobody's immune, and. Uh, you know, again, uh, we don't know the motives here. It could have been a domestic uh, dispute of some kind. We don't really know, but uh, it's just a reminder that it can happen anywhere. I grew up in Houston, went to high school and college there. I've been to quite a few basketball games at that arena. The Houston Rockets were my favorite team, and uh, my buddies, one of my buddies in high school, his dad had season tickets, and so we got to go uh, quite often. And, of course, many years ago, Lakewood Church bought that arena when the Rockets moved somewhere else. And uh, so, yeah, it it's, uh, kind of hits close to home. 
I wanted to ask you, uh, before we get too far into the podcast, all the different ways that notbyworks.org resources and how people can keep in touch with Dr. J.B. Hickson. Yeah, you bet. So uh, notbyworks.org is our website, notbyworks.org. And uh, since it's been a while that we've kind of introduced our ministry, let me mention that that name uh, comes from Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And so our passion is the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel message. We've been around since 99, and uh, we have lots of books and DVDs and streaming video, and we uh, travel and speak at conferences throughout the country. I'm also privileged to be the teaching pastor at Plum Creek Chapel uh, in uh, Sedalia, Colorado, when I'm in town. Not By Works is based out of Falcon, Colorado, about an hour south of uh, the church, but uh, we make that commute up there uh, about 40 Sundays a year, it turns out. Uh, I'm in the pulpit, and um, so if you're ever in the Denver area, come out and see us. But uh, yeah, notbyworks.org. We also have a Rumble channel. We have all of our podcasts on every conceivable podcast provider. If you listen to your podcasts on that anywhere, pretty much, you can find Not By Works Ministries. Um, so yeah, notbyworks.org. We have a great online store with with a free section where folks can get all kinds of free resources and materials. Um, that's, again, available through notbyworks.org. Uh, and... Uh, so yeah, I'd love to love to stay in touch with folks. So whenever you've been traveling recently doing these prophecy conferences around the United States, uh didn't you just get back from a prophecy conference? We did. We were down in Lake Charles, Louisiana last week. Okay. Uh, and that was that was fantastic. My good friend Dr. Wayne Dartez and uh, just the the Lord really used that time. Really enjoy those folks. How are people responding to these conferences? Are you uh seeing an increase or decrease? In general, it's in general, it's an increase. Uh, now this church, uh, uh, Victory Baptist Church, it was kind of a unique situation because the last time I was there was January of 2020. Now that, that time frame should ring a bell with our mm-hmm. listeners because that was right before the world fell apart. And, uh, so it had been quite a few years since I was there and a lot's happened in that time frame. Uh, another factor that made this a really interesting a conference was that church was devastated by Hurricane Laura uh, about three years ago, and so they were they've been rebuilding. They lost everything: the church, they have a school, wow. uh, everything just destroyed. And so, in the process of rebuilding, they lost some people because they were without a building for a couple sure. of years. Uh, but they, they so it's, it was a little bit of a different audience than last time I was there. But uh, Pastor Dartez there has been there thirty nine years, doing a fantastic work. Um, Soul winner, for sure, loves to share the gospel. Uh, but the people were excited. I had not talked to, about prophecy. Last time I was there, I was doing a, an evangelism and discipleship conference. So this was all fresh material. And, man, they ate it up. Uh, right. They a lot of times just couldn't even believe what they were hearing. Uh, but, yeah, in general, uh, at the conferences we do in, in Tulsa and Orlando and Dallas and different places, people are just packing the place out. They're selling out. Um, I think people realize something is up, something's in the air, so to speak, and they, they want to know more. Are they trying to connect? And uh, I, I know they come up and talk to you at your tables and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they connect, trying to connect the headlines? I mean, is uh, 
Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they uh, they do. We get a ton of questions. In fact, I've got some printed out here in case we uh, get to them. But uh, you know about uh, kind of personalities in the news, world leaders, world figures, uh, how geopolitical events are taking shape. And on our uh, daily podcast, we bring in a lot of uh, top guests who really are experts in, in various fields. And we just try to give people information. But yeah, people want to know, uh, especially with the election coming up, the economy, uh, saber rattling over there with China and Russia, not to mention North Korea and Iran. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, people, you know, are very, uh, keyed in on, uh, all of the moving parts and they want to know how does that connect to scripture and how, how is this setting the stage for the fulfillment of prophecy? I'll pause for a second here to remind everyone this is Stand Up for the Truth. I'm Crash Connell and visiting with Dr. J.B. Hickson of notbyworks.org. You got an opinion? Cause I do not. I'm just going to say this. I don't have an opinion. Do you have an opinion about the Super Bowl last night? <laughs> well, uh, I don't. I told, I told my church yesterday, I said, uh, you know, today's a day that, that millions of people around the world are going to be gathered together for four hours eating snacks and, mm-hmm. and riveted to the TV, paying close attention. And, I, and then I said, of course, I'm talking about the Taylor Swift show. Right. And by the way, there's also a football game. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, and Usher it's, might it's sing. crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, uh, I didn't watch it at all. Yeah, no, we, uh, we are football fans just as a manner of escapism and, and entertainment. But I think our listeners know we're Dallas Cowboys fans. So it's been a long drought of uh, not really having much fun. But uh, I do have a son that lives in Kansas City. So we were kind of, kind of pulling for them. Maybe my four year old granddaughter said, I want the team in red to win, you know, so, she, right. so we all just kind of rallied around her, you know, so, okay, let's go, go red, you know. But yeah, it's 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 really crazy what pro sports has become in this country. It's it's really different than it was when you and I were kids. Um, I was perusing uh, the social medias, and uh, I, I guess like me, uh, they they weren't interested. But you were still seeing little things like uh, the Black National Anthem. I, I guess they mm-hmm. whatever that is, and some other things. But anyway, I just wondered if you had an opinion on it. I uh, Andy Reid's a friend of mine, Coach Andy Reid, uh, back when mm-hmm. he was uh, with the uh, uh, with the Packers. The Eagles. Oh, uh, the Packers. Yeah, he was with the Packers. That's where I got to know him. Huh. But that's that's okay. We uh, we address the elephant in the room. I don't even know the score. Who won? Well, the it was it was a uh, overtime game, and the Chiefs ended up winning the okay, game. Okay, overtime. So, all right, all right. That's Super go. Bowl. All yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> some of the uh, questions. Uh, I, I I told everyone this is going to be a Q and A, and you and I have talked. Is you're going to be helping helping us out when Mary goes on vacation here, uh, doing some guest hosting, and uh, what's been on my heart. Uh, as the general manager here at Lakeshore Communications, I'm just going like, you know, I'm always seeking the Father. What do we need to be sharing with our global audience? Uh, Stand for the Truth, um, uh, over 8 million listeners uh, globally. And what, what do we need? In, in I've told you, I just think there's going to be a lot of rapture, fake information, mm-hmm. false information about rapture, about the uh, rapture. And so, uh, I, I don't want, I don't want to beat a dead horse, I guess, but it just, I just want to keep bringing that, uh, to the forefront. Do you get any questions about the rapture? All the time. Yeah. I mean, it's probably one of the most 
common questions these days. In fact, we've done a couple of uh, podcasts recently called Debunking Rapture Debunking and Debunking Rapture Debunking again with uh, Dr. Tommy Ice and uh, uh, Dr. Lee Brainer just to show people that a lot of the tired old arguments out there that people make against the rapture are just provably false. And, and it's actually embarrassing that people would continue to try to debunk the rapture with those arguments that have been sufficiently shown to be made up lies. But yeah, the, the rapture is kind of a corollary to Israel because the the doctrine of the rapture is based upon the 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 reality that their God's program for Israel and God's program for the church are two distinct programs that we are living in the time uh, of the mystery of the church a previously undisclosed age that God did not reveal in the old testament but that was came on the scene suddenly in Acts chapter 2 and will just as suddenly depart from the scene at the rapture. But that doesn't mean God's through with Israel. So I got a question just last week from someone that I had been on uh, their podcast and uh, you know the Lord has been so gracious to give us a, a an audience with different groups and, and different networks that are not necessarily card carrying members of the dispensational camp uh, but they love the Lord and they 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 like what I've had to say about conspiracies and the Satan's agenda and so they have me on and it, it kind of gets them thinking and so this host uh, I won't mention his name but he sent me an email and said hey Help me understand Israel. He said, I, I thought Israel was just a religion. I didn't know it was a geography. And so I was able to walk him through Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and show very plainly that God promised the land to Abraham uh, and reiterated that promise with Isaac and Jacob, who became Israel. That land has specific boundaries geographically that belong to Israel. And absolutely, Israel is a land. It's also a religion, but it is an ethnic people that have the right to the land. And so the secular world today, of course, does not believe Israel has the right to the land, and that's what's causing all the tension. But uh, it's uh, it's God's land. Over and over again, the Old Testament talks about my land. God's talking about my land, my land, my land. And so, you know, people need to understand that this is fundamentally a spiritual battle. God is not going to relinquish his land to any enemy nation. And one day, Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, will come back and rule and reign with a rod of iron in perfect peace and judgment from Jerusalem on Mount Zion in the nation of Israel. So, uh, you know, people that don't really study this stuff uh, and have never been exposed to it in their churches are getting their theology, sadly, from the headlines. And right. The headlines are not kind to Israel right now, but they're they're ignorant. And so we want to uh, we want to remind people that the, the God has a plan for Israel that in, includes a future for national Israel. But meanwhile, the church uh, is uh, Jew and Gentile in one body, uh, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And we are promised to be raptured before God's focus shifts once again to Israel during the 70th week of Daniel. Dr. J.B. Hickson is the guest on Stand Up for the Truth, a fresh new podcast today, February 12th, 2024. And I, I, I know the confusion that whenever I'm talking about it is all the bad things that Israel is doing has done over the centuries. Why are Christians supposed to support Israel? I mean, they are in apostate state. How can you support that? Well, I think we support Israel, first of all, just because they're an ally. They're a democracy. They're, they're an ally that we work with in the same way that we would support other friends. We support Israel, but that's more of the political 
answer. The reality is, um, you're right. Israel is in the land in unbelief. Uh, their leaders are not, uh, in some cases, not even Orthodox Jews. They're just secular Jews, not even not to say nothing of whether or not they're believers in Jesus Christ as their savior. So they're not Christians. They're, they're secular leaders. And like any political leader, they make mistakes. We have the same problem in America. Many of our leaders have sold out long ago to the globalist agenda and they're do, doing things that are not in the best interest of our country. Uh, but we still want to support. We're still proud of our country. We still feel patriotic and we, we're thankful that we live here. And then the same way we want to support Israel, but we also want to hold Israel accountable. And I think where a lot of Christians aren't able to nuance that, it creates problems because they, they sort of give this blind support to Israel. And anybody who says anything constructive, uh, about modern day Israel and the fact that they're in the land in unbelief and that they might make mistakes is somehow, you know, anti-Semitic. And that's just simply not true, that we believe through the biblical lens that Israel is God's chosen nation. God has a future for them. One day they will cry, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, in contrast to what they cried in the first century, which was crucify him, crucify him. And they will welcome their Messiah the second time around. And they will be the center stage and all the world will come up to Jerusalem uh, and uh, and so forth. So we know that day is coming. And the reemergence of Israel as a nation in 1948 was clearly prophetically significant. Uh, it shows that God's word is true. And uh, we look forward to that exciting time. But in the meantime, you know, in the same way that Israel's kings throughout history, and we read this over and over again in the Bible, uh, not all of them were good. Not all of them were, you know, faithfully following the Lord. And those that weren't were held accountable in the same way today. We, we are, you know, it, it is acceptable, at least in my view, to call out uh, certain political leaders in any country uh, who are not doing things that are uh, moral or good or, uh, you know, in the best interest of their of their nation. So, you know, Crash, one of the questions that I got that relates to all this is uh, someone asked about the times of the Gentiles. And if you remember Jesus in the Olivet Discourse, at least in Luke's account of the Olivet Discourse, uh, talks about how Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, the times of the Gentiles refers to that entire period of history where Israel is under Gentile control, that their king is not sitting on the throne, Jesus Christ. Uh, and it started with the Babylonian exile in 586 BC with the destruction of Jerusalem under Nebuchadnezzar. And it's going to not end until the second coming of Christ at the Battle of Armageddon at the end of the tribulation. So that whole period is called the times of the Gentiles. And that is still the age in which we're living in today. It's exciting to see the stage being set when for 1800 years you didn't have an Israel on the map. And now suddenly as of 1948, they're back on our maps. That's clearly showing God's progressing towards that glorious uh, triumphant return of Christ. But in the meantime, we're still living in the times of the Gentiles. And the biggest uh, evidence of that is just looking at uh, the Temple Mount and recognizing that the Dome of the Rock is there and there is no temple there. And indeed, it, uh, Jerusalem is still being trampled, as it were, by Gentile domination. So, yeah, it's an exciting time to be alive. Uh, you know, we, we can't wait to uh, to see how things unfold. It was when Donald Trump, when he was president and he made Jerusalem the capital of Israel, was that anything uh, prophetic? 
<clears throat> well, I mean, it could be. Again, we the next prophetic event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture. So everything else is just stage set. Right. And so, you know, in the same way that Israel being allowed back into the land in unbelief is after World War II was prophetically significant. Those types of moves were prophetically significant, but uh, largely it was just political. Um, you know, Trump did a lot of things, some of them good, some of them, some of them bad, but I think there was right. an inherent inconsistency in, <clears throat> in Trump's overall worldview. Um, I mean, I think uh, the fact that president after president after president um, – and, and by the way, um, uh, Kushner was, if I remember right, Trump's envoy to Israel during his term. But, you know, uh, administration after administration has has tried to uh, come up with a two-state resolution, and it's, it's never going to happen. God is not going to share his glory with anyone. This is God's land. He promised it 2,000 years before Christ with the Abrahamic covenant. That's an unconditional guaranteed covenant that will take place, and that involves Israel inhabiting the land, rebuilding the temple, as Ezekiel describes in Ezekiel 40 to 48, and it'll be, uh, as Haggai said, a temple like no other. Uh, So that all is going to happen, and anyone who tries to equivocate under the guise of so-called peace, you know, can't we all just get along, is missing the point. And so that's why I've been very outspoken about the, the need for Israel to wipe Hamas off the face of the earth. Hamas is not a country. They're not a people. Hamas is a terror group. Now, that doesn't mean you kill innocent Arabs or that you, you know, you, you know, that, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the terrorist, known terrorist groups, and, and Hamas is one of them, and Hezbollah and these others. They are enemies of God and enemies of Israel, and in the same way that America, you know, wants to defeat terrorists, or at least we should. These days we're letting them in. Right, <laughs> the borders, them, yeah. Yeah, giving them $8,000 and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But in general, it's normal for a country to want to defend themselves. And so Israel certainly has that right. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, it, it, we see a lot of signs pointing towards Israel. All eyes are on Israel these days. Four minutes till a hard break here at Santa for the Truth. I'm Crash, visiting with Dr. J.B. Hicks and and I'm, um, it's been on my heart the rapture, and you brought it up here. The next, uh, the next prophetic event, uh, the early church, did they preach a pre-trib rapture? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And my friend uh, Lee Brainerd uh, has demonstrated, among other scholars. I remember in my PhD studies, been almost twenty years ago now, but we had to go back and look at ancient writings, and we were able to demonstrate that in every century, really from the first century church age forward, we have evidence in writing of uh, church fathers that taught a two-phased return of Christ, once for the church and once all the way to the earth to set up his kingdom. So this notion that somehow the rapture and dispensational thinking uh, was made up uh, yeah. in the 1800s by some demon-possessed woman uh, is just... Or uh, what was it they say Darby... Introduced yeah, Darby. Them. Yeah, you no, know, not at all. In fact, Mar- Margaret MacDonald, whom they often say was the source of it, she wasn't even pre-tribulational. That's easily proven. So it's clearly patently false. But yes, absolutely, the New Testament teaches a pre-tribulational rapture. Pre-trib meaning that the, the Lord will rescue the church before the great and terrible day of the Lord's wrath. That wrath, I believe, encompasses the entire 70th week of Daniel. That seems clear enough from Old and New Testament 
passages uh, in Revelation 6 when the tribulation starts with the opening of the first seal and the unveiling of the Antichrist. The wrath is already there and people are crying out, hide us from the wrath of the Lord. So, uh, so yeah, the Lord is going to rapture the church, not before things get bad, quote unquote, because they're already bad, but that he's going to rapture, uh, rapture the church uh, before the 70th week of Daniel. The church had no role to play in the first 69 weeks. Remember, a week in Hebrew is the word Shabuah. It means seven-year period in this context. So we're talking about 77-year periods, and the church had no role to play in the first 69 uh, weeks, and it won't have any role to play in the 70th week. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, the Bible is our only standard, obviously. So church history is important, uh, but it's not decisive when, when formulating your doctrine. But we can say with confidence that not only does the New Testament clearly teach a pre-tribulational rapture, but church history, uh, consistently taught, uh, maybe not the majority view, especially during the Middle Ages and up until the Reformation and even to this day, but absolutely it was taught throughout church history. I can't th- remember all the names from, from memory. Uh, but I know like Polycarp, who was a, uh, a disciple of John, the, uh, apostle John, uh, there's several writings you can find about him talking about a pre-trib rapture. So, uh, yep. I'm out of, I'm out of time here. We got your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our truth at any cost mission strong. Stand up for the truth.com. Monday, February 12, 2024. I'm Crash, and our guest today is JB Hickson, notbyworks.org. I hear a lot of typing going on, and you are you answering your emails? What's going on over there? Oh, you're, oh, you can hear that. See, I can't hear because I have my headphones in. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm looking up historical references to the rapture. How about thank that? you, thank you? Because like I said, the only name I could remember was Polycarp. And what was fascinating about it, and I read some of his his uh, quotes, and he was a apostle of uh, of the apostle John, and so it was like that. I mean, it was a, and he was clearly pre-trib rapture. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Several of them. And uh, Lee Brainerd's got a whole book. Lee, Lee Brainerd, who I know you know, he's just been phenomenal in his, re- his research on stuff that no one else has ever translated, you know. Um, so it's, it's just really great. And so what's fascinating to me, especially because uh, I've been doing polls on social media and stuff like that, and there's professing Christians who believe there's not even going to be a rapture. Yeah. No, that's, that's the amillennialism. You know, that was the dominant teaching of the church, the Roman Catholic Church, you know, that we're in the kingdom now, the Pope is the king, and uh, everything in Bible prophecy in Scripture was all spiritualized and symbolic. And uh, so uh, that was what our seminaries taught. That's what uh, most people believe. Uh, it is the predominant view today, but thankfully, uh, ever since the Reformation, when people could start reading their Bibles again without being burned at the stake by the Catholic Church, uh, the people started opening up and realizing this is what it says. I mean, the Bible is not that complicated. It uses nouns and verbs and subjects. And when you practice literal, grammatical, historical hermeneutics, you arrive clearly at a two-phase return of Christ. In our NBW book of theological charts, diagrams, and illustrations, which we sell at alpaworks.org, I have a, a chart in there that com- contrasts the rapture and the second coming. And you look at the passages, and it's plain as day that this cannot be talking about the same event. There are 
self-contradictory descriptions that cannot be referring to the same event. And yet, for many people, there's only one future return of Christ. There's no distinction between the rapture and the second coming, and they lump it all together. Uh, and again, if you just read the Bible in its plain, normal sense, uh, you can't get there. I don't know if anybody can give me an answer to this. Why would they be teaching? A no, why, why would they not want to teach about the rapture? The well, hope, I don't, the blessed hope. Yeah, I know. I, well, they, again, they just interpret all of the passages about the return of Christ differently. So, um, I think, you know, it's not necessarily a conspiracy to, uh, you know, not teach the rapture. It just all goes down to mishandling the word of God. You know, the Bible is clear. Paul says we've got to correctly handle, literally rightly divide, uh, the word of God. And, a lot of people mishandle it, so they've got false views on just about every area of theology, not just eschatology. I mean, take Calvinism, for example. I mean, Calvinism um, clearly has a particular view on uh, how an individual gains eternal life uh, that I believe is contrary to Scripture. I don't want to chase too many rabbits here, but you know, we've addressed that in my book, Getting the Gospel Wrong. Uh, but you know, that's, you know, that's a soteriological issue. You've got ecclesiological issues. You've got pneumatological issues. You know, people get different areas of theology wrong, but it all goes back to a mishandling of scripture. And that's what dispensationalism is. That's what sets it apart. Uh, we strive for a consistent literal, grammatical, historical understanding of Scripture. And by the way, dispensation is a biblical term. It's and I was going to go, I'm gonna yeah. go there because that's a big word, and we, we don't want to be too hip for the room. Um, one of our other guests, uh, uh, Dr. Randy White, he has a book out, I'm a Dispensationalist and So Are You. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and, no. like, <laughs> and, it, and it's going like, okay, and I've seen some uh, divided conversations about him going, is it the word that is upsetting people or because when you explain it, it, they go, well, you yeah, have that. But but I'm OK. Help me out here. Dr. Yeah, J. no, H. I mean, it, it is uh, it is the word because people have made up uh, information about the, the roots of dispensationalism that is provably false. And that kind of those kind of rumors just uh, stuck. But I know Randy uh, quite well. He has a slightly different view on some of uh, his dispensational teachings, but the bottom line is dispensationalism is a hermeneutic. It's a literal, grammatical, historical approach to Scripture. And what that means is um, that, you know, as you read the Bible progressively, starting with Genesis all the way through Revelation, you see God progressively unfolding more and more information that builds a picture of his plan of the ages. And, you know, uh, I, I love that title of his, to Randy's book. I, I preached a sermon here back before the Christmas on, uh, you know, your dispensationalist, whether you realize it or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact is, if you didn't bring a goat with you to church yesterday, you're a dispensationalist. I mean, I mean, that's just the, the, the fact of the matter. So <laughs> when you, when you garden, do you, do you garden, um, crash? Do you have a garden? No. Me neither, but I wish we did, and I, I think at some point we're going to be forced to. I'm friends uh, with gardeners. I worked out a deal since you brought it up. I'm going to just say this. I, I got friends that are gardeners, and I'm yeah. I, I'm the ammo guy. <laughs> ah, so there's a good bartering yeah, system. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll give you a few shells for yeah. a few yeah. for a it's few currency. carrots. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Go ahead. Well, but, but my point is uh, when people garden today, they don't do it in the nude. 
but uh, that means there are dispensations because that's what Adam and Eve did. Clearly, things change over time, right? God, if you look at Scripture, you see different economies, different stewardships, different ways in which mankind interacted with his creator. Doesn't mean it's different ways of salvation. Adam and Eve were saved the same way anyone in every age is saved by faith. Abraham believed God and was justified, declared righteous. So salvation's the same in every age. It's by faith. It's the only way anyone can be born again, can have be made right with a holy God, is by trusting in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again for their sins. Uh, but clearly, over time, systems change. And right now we're living in the church age where we have unmitigated access directly through the priesthood of the believer. We can go boldly into the throne room of God, Hebrews 4. Uh, but as time progresses, you know, things are going to, the rules of engagement, so to speak, will change once again. I mean, in the millennium, for example, Jesus Christ is going to be physically, bodily present back on earth once again, and you can go right up and talk to him just like you could during the first, his first uh, earthly ministry. So, uh, I mean, it, to me, and what, and what is the end of the church age? The rapture. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So the church ends with the rapture suddenly, uh, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 1 Corinthians 15. And it began suddenly on the day of Pentecost. Suddenly there was a mighty rushing wind, Acts 2 tells us. So God is doing a new work and, and, uh, it's a, it's, we have a job to do. We are center stage. We are, as Romans 11 talks about, uh, in the place of God's blessing, occupying the place of God's uh, blessing. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, the church is not the end all be all. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans, uh, 11 that, uh, the church is just here to provoke Israel to jealousy. <laughs> so, I mean, that ought to <laughs> knock us down a few notches, you know. Uh, Israel's going to see how, how the church functions today and how we have that intimacy with our Savior through the shed blood of Christ. And, they, and when he comes back the second time, they're going to get it. They're going to say, we want that. Uh, and they're going to have, uh, all of those new covenant blessings when they too believe the gospel. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the church is not Israel. There's a future for national Israel, uh, but it's a big, big deal right now. And I think it's another sign of the times, not that those people that are promoting uh, covenant theology and amillennialism and other systems that are contrary to dispensationalism and what we believe contrary to the scripture, uh, not that they're all part of some satanic conspiracy. I mean, ultimately, I've, I'm certainly, you know, not afraid to talk about the Luciferian conspiracy, but in a lot of cases, it's just they're uninformed, they're passionate about their beliefs, and they're promoting a false doctrine, whether wittingly or unwittingly. And that, uh, my friends, is a sign of the times, this false doctrine. And again, that thought uh, process to me is I'm trying to figure out why they would do that. Why aren't you hearing what scripture is saying here, we're having these discussions. Why, how are you missing this from Genesis to Revelation? And so that's why I'm, I'm on that, uh, I'm in that camp where I'm going, there has to be a reason why they do not want to talk about the rapture or they will refuse to believe in a rapture. And I can't figure that part out. Yeah, it's, uh, it, to me, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, why I get out of bed in the morning is knowing that today could be the Correct. day. You know, and it, I, it is and our I blessed hope. So. hope. Uh, it is the uh, the great restrainer. Mm -hmm. Is that the church? Is it the Holy Spirit? What is the great restrainer? Well, it's both. It's the uh, the restraining influence of 
the whole of the Holy Spirit in and through the church. So, Second uh, uh, Thessalonians two talks about uh, how the restrainer will be removed when the Antichrist comes. I guess I should have said, "Is it the bride?" But blah blah. Yeah, you know. No. So, but what? But when he, when he says the restrainer will be removed uh, before the Antichrist comes, uh, a lot of people do think that's the Holy Spirit. I run into it all the time. Technically, that's not true. I don't see how if there's still if the Holy Spirit has to be around for repentance and salvation. Well, more than that, it's a theological issue. The Holy Spirit is God. God eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God is omnipresent. So you cannot have, uh, you know, the Godhead or, you know, being not present. So there's no, there, God is everywhere present at all times. So the Holy Spirit just didn't come into existence on the day of Pentecost. He's been, you know, here and, and everywhere at all times. That's the doctrine of omnipresence. And so the Holy Spirit's not removed. And as you say, he's certainly going to be doing his work uh, in the during the tribulation and beyond. But what will be removed is his unique ministry, because the ministries of the Holy Spirit changed with the church. We see the gifts of the Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit interceding. We see the Holy Spirit uh, encouraging, convicting, leading, guiding. All of those terms are used in Scripture. So, uh, but what what's going to be removed after the rapture is the Holy Spirit's influence powerfully in and through the church uh, for the last 2,000 years. Now, obviously, we know from 1 Timothy 4 and 2 Timothy 4 and other passages that the church is getting worse and worse. We're not fulfilling our duty. There's a great uh, falling away of mm-hmm. the church. But even with that, there still is a remnant that is providing restraint. I mean, think about all of those uh, meetings in private boardrooms or so many ways we we won't even know till we get to heaven that a believer, a Christian, exerted influence and and stopped some dastardly deed or some poor decision or you know, even advisors to presidents and things like that. So the church has had a profound influence on the world, such as it is. It's obviously, biblically and prophetically, we know that that is, you know, getting worse and worse. But when it's gone entirely and there's not a single Christian and dwelt by the Holy Spirit anywhere on the earth, uh, that's, you talk about unrestrained. Now evil is going to be unprecedented at that point. Uh, we're talking with uh, Jay. If you're just tuned in, you're going, what is going on here? This is Crash, and I'm visiting with Dr. J.B. Hickson. It's a fresh new podcast on this February 12th, 2024. Normally we might do a replay, but today it's a fresh podcast, Q&A. And uh, some great topics being discussed here. I'm having a good time with this. The uh, I know that you've been doing. So we've been talking about you've been doing some prophecy conferences. What other uh, questions um, have you been getting at these prophecy conferences? That you're happy to answer. Yeah, I mean, we get a lot of uh, questions about preparedness, for example. Okay, um, yeah. In my my latest book, Spirit of the False Prophet, we have a whole chapter on sort of what if and what to do and so what, what do we do with this information? But folks, uh, you know, things are definitely spiraling out of control. And so I absolutely encourage people to heed the warning of Proverbs 22.3, the wise person sees trouble coming and prepares for it. Uh, And uh, so people ask me specifics about like uh, one of the questions I got recently was if you, you know, I'm living in the city and uh, high density population area and I'm not able to move to a more rural location. And so 
you know, what, what can I do? Well, you still need to think about the fundamentals, food, water, protection, shelter, um, and, uh, and, you know, and store up, stockpile these things. And, uh, sadly, a lot of people have made fun of, uh, so-called prepping. I was prepping before it was called prepping, uh, just because I know how to read my Bible. Uh, and that just means, you know, if you couldn't get to Walmart, uh, are you going to be able to feed your family? And so, there are things that you can do. We have a uh, free 12-page NBW preparedness guide that you can get from our online store. Again, it's in the free section, so no credit card required. Just put it in your cart. You can check out, and we'll email it right to you What's it called? It's called the NBW preparedness guide. Okay. And it's 12 pages, and it goes through a list of scenarios, lengthy lists of supplies and food and types of things to think about having. And so what I tell people is just start somewhere. Don't be overwhelmed. You're not going to be able to do everything, but do what you can and do it, do it a little bit at a time. Every time you go to the store, pick up, you know, some more uh, dry goods and big five pound bags of rice and beans and canned goods and peanut butter and the types of things that have a long shelf life and that will give you, uh, you know, the, the, the stuff you need to, to feed your family if you couldn't get to the store. Um, obviously, preparedness is not one size fits all. The person that has property and lives out rurally where they can uh, kill a deer or run a trot line or, you know, that kind of thing, they're going to have different needs and plans. But uh, that preparedness guide kind of goes through a lot of it. But I think people are recognizing that it's a powder keg right now. You know, the economy is teetering on the brink. Uh, we are there's all kinds of talk of war, civil unrest, uh, rigged elections, um, you know, just bitter hatred and divide, um, terrorists sneaking into this country, not sneaking in, but, you know, being let yeah. in, <laughs> you know, come right on in. Yeah. You know? uh, but uh, so I think people are starting to realize, you know what, uh, something changed in 2020, life as we know it. And, you know, it's not getting better. Second uh, Timothy 3.13 says, evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So it's incumbent upon the believer to first of all get his spiritual house in order, make sure you're walking with the Lord, reading the word. Obviously, if you're not a believer, make sure you trust in Christ and him alone for salvation. That's priority number one. But uh, make sure that you see life through the lens of uh, spiritual matters. Uh, keep your eyes fixed on things above, as the Bible tells us to do. Um, doesn't mean we drop out of society or kind of pack up our stuff, move to a mountaintop and uh, sing Kumbaya as we wait for the Lord's return. God has us here for a reason. We have a job to do, and we need to be uh, diligently serving the Lord, shining like lights in this perverse generation, as Paul says. Um, but at the same time, a key uh, focus should be preparedness. Uh, we, we know trouble is coming. Therefore, what are we going to do about it? So uh, I think that's one of the kind of running themes that OEP. I mean, after I spe speak at these conferences, inevitably someone will raise their hand or if there's no Q&A, they'll come up to me on the stage and they'll say they've got this just deer in the headlights look and they'll they'll go, wow, I just I didn't know how bad it was. Right. and All these things. And uh, what do I do? Well, don't panic. You know, uh, we know who wins in the end. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So and if John you, four four. And if you're listening to this, let's be sure that we do cover that. Uh, Christians do not have to be afraid or worried. Mm -mm. No, no. I, and yeah. it's kind of weird how this is, <clears throat> excuse me, this is exciting. It's an exciting time to be alive. We're going to be seeing things that the prophets and everybody else were talking about. 
Oh, yeah. And wondering about and asking questions about. Yeah, no, as things are falling apart, it just means they're coming together from God's perspective. So we, we can't go to one extreme and just say, oh, you know, who cares? If, if you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I'm just going to eat, drink and be merry. That's foolish. That's but yeah. it's equally foolish to be paralyzed by fear and, uh, and fixate on it. Uh, enjoy the day. You know, it's Monday. We got a great week ahead of us. You know, you can enjoy life and, and be about the, the Lord's work and, and whatever God's called you to do while at the same time, being aware of uh, the circumstances uh, in the world and and taking necessary precautions to uh, prepare for them because if if things fall apart before the rapture and this country falls apart i mean it's not inconceivable that we could we could be living in a one world system even before the rapture all we know from scripture is that the antichrist and false prophet take the helm of a one world system but I don't think that they're the ones that inaugurate it. They won't have time. I mean, it's going to have to be a pretty well-developed system for the Antichrist to step into it and take leadership. So, oh, you're reading my mind taking, because we yeah. only got about uh, about eight minutes, and nobody knows when the rapture is except the Father. So Satan doesn't know. So is he grooming someone right now as we speak to step into that role? Absolutely. First John 2.18 says, many antichrists have come, but one antichrist, capital A, is coming. So Satan has his man of the hour in every age. He's been waiting for his opportunity. Again, because he doesn't know the mind of God, right. he, he does know God's plan. He knows, as we do, or should anyway, how things are going to play out, what the order of end times events uh, is. Uh, and I have a, a uh, appendix in my eschatology book, What Lies Ahead?, called sequential order of end times events, where I kind of lay it out biblically how things are going to unfold. Uh, but uh, Satan knows that information, too. He just doesn't know when. And so I believe that's one of the big reasons why we've seen such an upsurge in spiritual warfare and phenomena and paranormal activity ever since World War II is because Satan saw the reemergence of Israel. He knows Israel plays a central role in God's end times plan. And so he put two and two together and said, we must be getting close. So he's been really ratcheting up the warfare in the heavenlies, uh, you know, in the 70 years or so since. And, uh, but he's got his man in the hour. I mean, in the, in the world war two times, maybe it was Hitler, maybe it was Stalin, maybe it was Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, but uh, I absolutely believe he's got his man handpicked now, and if the rapture were to happen today, he would begin uh, uh, grooming him to take the role. You were talking about uh, your eschatology book. Is there a specific book that you're talking about? Yeah, it's called What Lies Ahead, A Biblical Overview of the End Times. Okay. Uh, I took, uh, after teaching for 12 years at a college and seminary, uh, I taught eschatology. I took all of those notes, and with the help of a, a co-author, uh, Mark Fantecchio, uh, we put them into a book. So it's 16 chapters with, I don't know, a dozen or more uh, charts and graphs and study questions at the end of each chapter, but it's a comprehensive overview uh, of the end times and the opening chapters actually explain the difference between dispensationalism and covenant theology and why it matters and how to study the Bible. And yeah, it's, it's my biblical eschatology. It's called What Lies Ahead. Available at notbyworks.org. Notbyworks.org. Click on the store button and you'll see it there. My latest three, of course, are the, the triad, right. Spirit of the Antichrist, Volumes 1 and 2, and Spirit of the False Prophet. And those are, uh, those are there as well. And I really encourage folks to, to check those out. And all of our books are on Kindle as well. 
you also live stream while I'm thinking about it. You live stream your uh, your Sunday sermons. We do, yeah. The second service, we have two services at Plum Creek, but it's always like. Uh, excuse me, live streamed. And so yesterday, I haven't looked at the numbers yet, but typically we'll have uh, six to 700. Sometimes I think our high is like 780, um, but uh, uh, that live stream us. And uh, and so people are welcome. And we post the videos. So yesterday, I'm, in, I'm teaching through First Thessalonians. And yesterday I was in First Thessalonians 2, verse 13, and we talked about the life-changing power of the Word of God. And that video is available at our website or our Rumble channel. Um. The, the when when we're when we're talking about end time stuff and people I know that it just seems like it's really come to the forefront in the church just recently especially uh, when we've been talking about it a lot more on uh, stand up for the truth it can be overwhelming and I heard a pastor say the problem with Christians is they don't read Revelation and the other problem with Christians is they won't get out of Revelations a Revelation rather sorry oh yeah. wow. Revelation. <laughs> I caught you. I do that yeah. with, uh, I, there's other people I do that just to be funny, and, and then now it's slipping out here. Book of Revelation, yeah. but it's not just the eschatology. Let's go ahead and just give an overview here because we only got about four minutes here. Eschatology is not just the book of Revelation. No, absolutely not. In fact, the single most comprehensive overview, blow by blow, of how things will unfold is the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 and 25, Mark 13, and Luke uh, 21. And so, uh, but you've got Daniel. Daniel and Revelation are, are kind of go hand in hand. Uh, you've got uh, all of the Old Testament prophets, minor and major prophets, that talk about uh, kingdom truth and, and the second coming and the Messiah and the promises to Israel. Of course, as I explained in the book, it all starts with Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and the unconditional covenant program of God that promises ultimately on the earth land, seed, and blessing centered through God's chosen people, Israel. Uh, Obviously, a lot of the New Testament epistles have great eschatology. First and Second Thessalonians, chief among them. Isn't it interesting that you know some of Paul's earliest epistles uh, emphasize eschatology? Galatians was the first letter Paul ever wrote, and right out of the chute, in, 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 under the inspiration of the Spirit, Paul's writing in, in Galatians one four, he talks about Christ as the one who rescues us from this present evil age, which is a reference to the rapture. So, yeah, I mean, uh, eschatology is essentially the end of the story. So it's it's sprinkled throughout God's plan of the ages in God's Word. I got about two and a half minutes, and we got to wrap it up here. Um, I'm going to kind of change gears completely evangelizing uh are we commanded to evangelize or is that a gift no no it's a it's a command it's the great commission uh we are to share the good news with others uh the great commission is both sharing the good news and then discipling and training people up we got to keep that distinction clearly in mind uh there's a distinction between the free gift of salvation and then following christ faithfully uh you know surrendering to him and uh, making him Lord. All of that is discipleship. That's not how you get saved. Salvation, the free gift, is a a unilateral gift. You simply come empty-handed and receive it by faith. It's not a bilateral contract. But having been born again by faith, then every believer has a stewardship that we are to, uh, you know, to, to grow in, in our faith and walk by faith and not by sight, walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. But no, that's why we're here. We are here to bring the good news uh, of the remedy for sin uh, to people who need to know the Lord.
J.B. Hickson, notbyworks.org. We're out of time. You are awesome. Uh, you're a blessing, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, thanks for putting up with my ADD spiritual questions. <laughs> and remember to check out the upcoming tab at standforthetruth.com. Upcoming, it's a calendar where you can see where JB's going to be doing some guest hosting coming up soon on standupforthetruth.com. <laughs> <laughs>